Welcome to the Welding Business Owners Podcast, where our podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we have a brand new episode series with Nick Carlton from Weldworks LLC. Nick's shop is based out of Rochester, New York, and they specialize in high-end residential custom homes. In the episode, we talk all about how he got started, how he grew his business to what it is, and what it's like working in a 30,000 square foot shop with only five guys. If you want to see the stuff that Nick and his team do, check him out on Instagram at Weldworks LLC. You can find the podcast at Welding Business Owners Podcast. You can find me at JMW Fabrication. And without anything else, enjoy the episode. It seems like you guys do a lot of like similar work that we do, like a lot of handrails, a lot of stairs, I think so. stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're starting to to kind of niche into the residential market for ninety five percent of our work. Okay. Uh, we, we started out doing a bit of both commercial and residential. Um, there's definitely pros and cons to both. Uh, we found that in our area, anyways, there wasn't much competition for the residential. It seemed to be a good fit for us. And what I started to feel like was that we either needed to pick one or the other. That mm. if I was going to pound on a really tight tolerance <laughs> and good finishes, then I needed to, you know, get the, the structural. Oh my gosh. Um, so we, we started doing that as a way of, I can't ask the guys to, you know, one day put on their structural hat, one day to put on their high-end finish hat so we just said you know we're gonna do all of one and we're gonna focus on that so when we get off the guide rails a little bit it really hurts uh we tried doing red iron steel and the guys are making you know thousands of ancient tolerance and holes and it's not efficient (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah we uh you know we know where our where we're good now and we stay there so tell us a little bit about your shop like how many guys you got? Like, what kind of, you know? Sure. I, sure. So, to, be, to be completely honest, I didn't follow you until you hit me up today because, like, we've, <laughs> ne- we've never talked before this. So, I Understood. really, I took like two minutes. I checked your stuff out. I'm like, oh, this dude is very similar to what we do. Let's talk. And here we are. So, <laughs> right on. I, I was in a similar boat. You know, I've been seeing you guys for a little bit, had no idea you did the podcast. Um, so yeah, small world. Uh, we're you know standing our lane up here. Uh, we're in Western New York, uh, so we're upstate, and there are five of us here. We actually just hired on a sixth person just uh, for some office help. Actually, uh, we're getting to that point where we can't answer the phone enough and, and get back to all the little five-minute jobs that need to be done. Sure. You're talking about uh, you know picking up a new truck. We're in a similar boat. We've got five trucks in our fleet. And it feels like I'm at the DMV once a month, um, whether it's registering <laughs> something or doing something. And it just, it, it, it's adding up to the point where I needed help. Um, nothing on its own was detrimental, but all of them combined was, became a full-time job. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, we're getting to a point where we're doing, like I mentioned, high-end residential work, uh, stairs, railings, uh, bridges, un, unusual things that are made out of metal. Yeah. And then in a similar capacity, uh, we have a mill workshop. So we're doing our own treads and handrails for the stairs we build. Uh, we're doing our own powder coating now. So we just bought a 25 foot oven so we can do staircases. Nice. Um, so just like you with the crane, you know, in the sense of like, let's just control it. Let's do it ourselves. And, and we started putting these things in before we had some of the work. 
but then we were able to go get the work and, and just knock it out. Yeah. So when we put some yep. brain power to things, we can really make a dent in some more quick. That's, I love it, man. But, um, so just on a, on a sidebar, what, what made you go with powder coating, um, rather than like a liquid paint, uh, if you were making the investment? Cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. Cleanup. I, you know, I don't have a big wet paint area, no flammable cabinet. Um, I don't have all the issues with permitting and things like that, or, you know, restrictions or damaging the building I'm in. Uh, powder was just a simple dry spray system in the oven. They sat on the ground. I can pick them up, move them wherever I want. Um, it seemed to be a, a pretty good finish for us. We're doing a lot of the fences we do at some of these places are hot tip galvanized. Um, and we've had issues with paint reacting with that a lot, actually. So we were powder coating those anyways. Back. It also seemed as though it was a less uh, fussy finish, meaning I could have more people kind of universally do it. It just, if it's on and it's covered, it's good. You don't have to worry about application or technique or dry times. It was either it's on or it's not. So it was, uh, anybody could do it. You know, once we taught the guys how to use the gun, uh, it, was, it was pretty robust and it's durable. Uh, there's just as many colors as paint. So it just seemed like an easy thing to get into, basically. Okay. Because we're looking to bring, um, not right away, because we just don't have the room at our current shop. We're looking to bring our, uh, our finishing in-house. And I've talked to a couple people and, you know, they paint, you know, they some people powder coat and I'm kind of up in the air as to what the best and what the right way is. You know, right now, like, like we try not to paint, but sometimes if, you know, powder coating isn't really the best way to go, we do paint, but then we're, we have to worry about, you know, the dry time and it not going on well, because actually about two hours ago, I got off the, the phone with my foreman and we, we tried out this new with macro epoxy from Sherwin-Williams. It's an epoxy, a two-part epoxy paint. And it's great. But to spray it out of an airless, it leaves lines at the edge of the fan. And we have, he installed the tread, uh, the kicker plates for these treads, and they all have spray lines on them. And I'm like, oh, man. But, right. you know, powder coating is, you know, to get a big oven, then you got to get the propane or the natural gas to run that. And yep. you need the space. And, you know, we're, we're, we're starting small. I went out uh, last week. Uh, I bought a, uh, an engine drive air compressor. So we're going to start yep. buying yep. at least because like our problem right now currently is, you know, to powder coat something, you sandblast it and then you, and then you coat it. Or even to get a good finish on paint, you have sandblast it and then you coat it. Yep. And, we are not big enough. Uh, we don't send enough volume of stuff to our powder coaters to, to really pull any weight. So they're telling me five to seven lead day, days of lead time. Oh, and that's, it's, it's that's ending, a good lead time. Even. It's ending, yeah. well, 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 it's ending <laughs> up to be three weeks before we sure. see anything. And I'm like, I'm okay with three weeks. You just got to tell me, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so, so we found another place that has a decent lead time, but the problem is they don't sandblast in house. So instead, I, we made a mistake of, we had a big railing job and we put all our eggs in 
one powder coated basket. And hindsight, I probably should have split the job up between different powder coaters and just gave them all the same RAL number and just had them all do it the same. Yeah. But we were, you know, every time we went there, I think we went there three or four times, three or four trips. It was always a week later than it's than he than it, he promised, or that, that we originally talked about. So that, it literally put us a month behind on things. So lesson learned. It is what it is, and we're just going to start sandblasting in house. That way, we can call around and choose which powder coater we take it to, because it doesn't. That's one less step that they have to do. You know what I mean? So. So on the same hand, though, I mean, you got to load it up on your truck, drive it somewhere, unload it, handle it, strap it back down when you get it, bring it back to your shop. That's a lot of time, too. True, true. That's, but... that's a whole bunch. So, yeah, all those reasons are, you know, same thing. I'm all about bringing everything process we can in-house. Yep, exactly. For a good example, one of my really good clients right now uh, called me up yesterday, said, hey, I'm in a pinch. I need something. He sent me a drawing at two o'clock. It was on our laser at three. We were forming it at 3.30. We were powder coating it last night. He picked it up at 7.30 this morning. So he Beautiful. sent me a drawing and he picked up a powder coated dumb steel part 12 hours later. <laughs> That's I mean, talk about tickled pink. This guy is a customer for life right now. Yep. You can't beat that service. You can't. Right. You know, and I'm not exactly doing that every day. It's like not like we're sitting around waiting, but. He's a good client. He's got some pull. We do that. He's hooked forever now. Yep. That's amazing. I, we're working there. So, so, <laughs> well, you know, before we get too far, back it up a little bit. Tell us sure. how you got started, how you got into this. And, oh um, you know, we got about another hour. So uh, just give me everything you got. <laughs> sure. Sure. So I was, uh, I lived a former life as a race car fabricator. Nice. Uh, cut my teeth on that. It was a fun experience when I was in my early twenties. Uh, I traveled all over the country. I learned a lot of stuff from old crusty guys. And I remember at one point I got to a realization that I would have no family life. You know, it was a, a fun thing. I would never trade for the world. Uh, I was just a different lifestyle and I realized I was tired of it. So I left the race car world and I took a job at a local railing shop. They just made stairs and railings uh, or what I'm doing today, I guess you could say. And I realized that that wasn't cool like I used to do, but I, and I made okay money. Well, I said, well, if I'm going to not love what I do every day, I might as well do it for myself at least. Then I can call the shots. I can do whatever I want. So I joked that I put my money where my mouth was one day and I said, I'm going to go do this for myself. Let me go weld things. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to weld stuff. And I was fortunate. Uh, I live in downtown area where there's a bunch of bars and restaurants and I started out welding kitchen repairs uh cracked sinks hoods that were damaged uh anything miscellaneous in this restaurant they got shelving uh, just garbage garbage welding I mean let's be real it's, it was dirty it was gross it paid me five dollars but I was doing it for myself so I said you know what these guys know people or they know things or they need stuff and after a month or so of doing that on my own, somebody said, hey, you know, I need a couple of tables. Think you can build me some tables? Sure, I can build your tables. So I built some tables. And then tables turned into, hey, I need some chairs. Do you think you can build some chairs? Sure, we can build chairs. And somebody saw those chairs and said, I need something at my home. And it just snowballed quick. So all of a sudden, <laughs> there I was, you know, in my garage going, I'm out of storage space. I've got two tables. I've got a chair on top of a chair. I was 
I bought a uh, Miller Dynasty and I was plugging that into the ceiling where my uh, garage door opener was. <laughs> so I was, you know, tripping breakers every 10 minutes. Um, and I was doing it. And all of a sudden I realized, okay, I'm, it's time to shit it off the pot. I've quit my job. I'm doing this full time. Let's go rent a space. So I, I rented a, a small, I think it might've been a thousand square feet, maybe not even. And it was, it was dirty. It was dark lit up on the second floor of a building. I used an elevator to get to it. And, uh, but there I was, now I had to make money. I had to pay rent, you know? So I had to not only do jobs just to break even, I had to do more jobs to pay myself, which I didn't do for a long time. I was eating ramen noodles and man, hustling. <laughs> um, so that, you know, same thing, it just kept snowballing and it snowballed and snowballed to the point where I finally got connected with a commercial builder who put us on a job that needed some railings for it. And now looking back at it, it was not a big job at the time. It was huge. It was huge. It was probably 150, you know, linear feet of railing around, uh, you know, first floor. Didn't have to cord drill anything. I was bolting it down, Tapcons, uh, super easy. That was awesome. That was an opportunity. And I said, all right, now I need some more help. Let me, let me hire an employee. Let's, let's get some help. Let's, I don't know what you're doing after this kid, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> so at that point I was, you know, I was trying to beg people to come work for me. I didn't have anything to offer. Um, so I got, got a young kid out of the local welding school, gave me a hand. And, uh, about two months in, I said, you know what? The work's not shutting off. We need more help. Do you know anybody? So he got one of his buddies from school. The two of them were going to you know school in the afternoon, learn how to weld. They were in my shop. It was, it was fun. You know, it was, it was really cutting my teeth on learning how to both be an employer and run a business and earn money. So uh, we did that for a little while and the two guys were great. I have nothing bad to say about my first couple of guys. Um, unfortunately, I think Weldworks outgrew my, my ability and their ability. Uh, okay. so we ended up hiring on some guys that were really skilled fabricators after that. And, uh, we took on some bigger commercial work that truly involved teamwork, really put the pieces together to where we got our first truck. Um, and we started traveling around a little bit. We were going outside of Rochester. We were traveling 45 minutes away, an hour away. And all of a sudden I got a job that was four hours away. I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh. You know, all right, this is a good client. He, uh, He's giving me a lot of work. I got to go do this. You know, I'm going to keep him happy. He's going to keep feeding me and putting bread on my table. So we took it and it beat me up. It was out of town. We had to stay at hotels. It paid great. It was kind of like the race cars. I wouldn't be here without it. It got me over this next hump where I could afford to buy some tools, buy some equipment. Um, it got me over the hump. But again, I don't want to ever do that again. That, that was really <laughs> rough. Uh, so we got into that. And during that time, I was meeting contractors that were also subs on residential jobs. So back to who, you know, right. So they started, they started plugging me into residential work. And all of a sudden I said, okay, this is the pretty stuff. I can charge premium dollars for really high end work. I can spend the time doing it. And that was about where we, we really honed in on. And that's where we've been for the last couple of years. Um, I've been doing this for eight years now uh eight years full-time so it's been a, a fun ride we've we've settled in at our current spot we've really hit our stride the last two or three years i'd say uh we've kind of leveled out we are buying some equipment that is obviously pretty big like that powder coating oven sure. um that's more of a maintenance at this point we've had powder coat for two years we were just doing a small oven 
we're outsourcing some of the big stuff. So we, you know, had some infrastructure in place. We've had, you know, we're in a 30,000 square foot building. We've got some big, big footprint and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 30,000. Wait, how many people did you say you had? Five. Five people. In a yeah. Oh, we can play football in here. It's awesome. Oh my dude. That is like a three. Like I, I, I'd have it full crap. I would, I would totally have full crap already, but no, 30,000 feet. That is yeah, there's yeah. so much room for activities in that. Holy there God. is, there is. Um, and it's amazing how fast it does get full, right? You know, I mean, as you started doing bigger things, you needed more room to move those big things. Sure. You need just blank floor space that on paper doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, when I get a truckload come in though, we got to be able to unload, you know, 25 foot sticks material, 50 foot sticks in time and turn the thing. Yeah. and move it you just you have to have big dumb room yeah. um so we've got a pretty good system we've got a workflow that works well you know the end to the saw to the drop storage to right to the tables sheet goods are you know straight to the laser um we got a the mill workshop is all in the back on its own it's got its own access point uh it's kind of separated that way we don't get wood in our metal and metal in our wood sure. um so it's, it's been pretty good. And same with the power. That's over in its own cordoned off space. It stays clean. It doesn't get contaminated. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing how fast it fills up. It really is. <laughs> I think if I could go back and do it, it's like, I remember when I bought my first home, it's like, don't, don't rush and put art on the walls because you're going to regret it. Just give it a year. You'll, you'll fill it in. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what, uh, I'm still hung up on the 30,000 square foot. <laughs> I, so, lost, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so we just, I just bought that um, this past summer, actually. I, I closed on the building. Uh, so the fun story about that was this is my third shop that I had rented. Uh, the second one was within the same building. And I was in one of the suites that it's been subdivided before. So I moved into 5,000 square feet here originally. And I was terrified. I was obviously, you know, again, real young in business. And I, he goes, you got to sign a five-year lease. I'm like, oh my God, that's, that's forever from now. I've only been in business a few years now. What yeah. if I, what if I need more space in five years? What if I don't make it five years? I don't know what I'm doing. He says, well, that's commercial real estate kid. Um, so I said, all right, the only thing I want to know is that if I, I grow, like I'm continuing to grow, I don't want to be handicapped by this. I, if I need more than five, I don't want to be locked in for five years. It's going to stunt my growth. He says, all right, I promise that I can either give you more space or I'll let you out of your lease. If, if you come to me and say, I need more space. All right, deal. So year goes by fast forward. Like you're saying 5,000 was huge. And then all of a sudden it was real small. Uh, we got a plasma table. We started moving some of the woodworking equipment in. And again, it was, I was on top of the saw making phone calls. And uh, so I contacted the building owner. I said, Hey, you remember what we talked about? I need more space. Said, all right. Well, good news. You know, one of the tenants is moving out right now. They got another 10,000 square feet. Why don't you take that over? Okay, deal. Well, I said the same, same thing's going to hold true though. What if I grow again? What happens if I, if I need more space again? He goes, I don't think you're going to need more space. Nick. I said, all right, well, then it's no problem. I want you to sell me the building if I need more space. I, was like, ah, I really don't think you're going to need it, but sure. If that's what make you happy. If you want to take the time. So sure enough, about a year goes by and I said, Jim, hate to tell you, <laughs> let's call the bank. <laughs> so he uh he begrudgingly he did not want to sell it uh this was 
if you remember interest rate stuff, you know, back in the spring, it was low and it was not a good time to sell the building. He, he did not make out great. He goes, I, I gave you my word. I would, so we'll do it. But, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> so he, he did. We, we went through, it was painful. I was pulling teeth, but, uh, he yeah. held up to his word. Uh, he was great about it. You know, wow. he, I got my buck kicked learning how to do banking with big numbers like that. Sure. It's a process. Talk about steering a cruise ship, man. That thing does not move fast. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I we, bet, uh, man. We, we closed on the building. That's been awesome as well. You know, just another, another way to help create assets for the company and, and leverage. Yeah. Uh, one of the big things that I'm huge on is just debt free. And I'm scared now that I got this mortgage. This thing's huge. Yeah. Um, but it's ultimately cheaper than my rent was. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So what is your future plans for growth with the, uh, the, the like to fill out to what, like what's your, what's your end goal with this? Sure. Sure. So end goal is definitely where we are today. Um, you know, whether it's two or three more guys, maybe there's no outlook to be a 50 person shop by any means. I love having a small team. We get along great right now. Love every one of the guys, you know, we spend more time than family here. So I, I enjoy being a small shop and I want to keep it that way. I want to get better at what we do, meaning just more efficient, you know, yeah. cleaner processes, really, 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 truly be selective about our work. I mean, we say no to a fair bit of work right now. Every so often something comes along and I go, oh, I, I got to take this. It's either we're a little slow or the money's right in it. But I'd love to be a point where we can just literally be picky about what we take. We've got a pretty good name going in our area. The architects, designers, landscape architects, they'll spec us on drawing. So we're getting a lot of calls that are, you know, guaranteed to us. We're not really bidding work per se. Um, so it's a nice spot to be in. We've worked really hard to get that respect and, and try to maintain it with everything we do. And uh, I think we just want to be a little smoother and better about what we do here. Meaning, you know, get the support to not be running 50 hours a week with everybody. Yeah. How, so back it up a little bit. How did you get specced by the architects? Because that's something uh, I've been looking into getting into. But, and it's like, well, do you ask? Like, where do you start with this? So I've never asked for it. No, it's, it's an enormous flattering compliment, as you can imagine. Um, the first time I got a call and said, hey, your name is on instead of drawing. So can you come give us a price? I was floored. Um, we created a product that I guess was unique in a sense. It was an aluminum pergola that was comparable to a wooden structure that you might see, but this was powder coated aluminum, had some really intricate detail in it. And that same architect went to a new job and said, hey, I think it's a perfect fit for this outdoor space. We're putting in a cabana and a pool and all these things. That's what I want. So they put it on the drawing. Um, and it's, it's down to relationships. I mean, I've, if there's one thing I've learned back to the original story, those restaurant owners knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that needed my work. Yep. I still take care of those restaurant guys today, like old mob bosses sort of thing. They call me <laughs> up. In fact, oh my gosh, one of them just needed a sign for a new restaurant. Man, this was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He, he's got to have 10 restaurants at this point around town. Um, hey, Nick, I need a sign. No problem. You'll have it. What do you need it? Um, you know, no questions asked. There's usually not even a bill. It's just done at this point. There's uh, 
they've made so many connections for me over the years. Sure. It's who you know. It, it comes back to those relationships, cultivating them, whether it's my vendors, whether it's the clients that tell you know other contractors, treating other contractors on site with respect. I mean, every bit of it, it's always all relationship building. You know, there's a hundred guys that can weld just as good as we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's only 10% of what we do. Absolutely, man. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Boy, that's, that's freaking impressive for eight years. You know, thanks. How long have you been doing this for? Um, eight years also, actually. Okay. Yeah. Full time was eight years. Uh, feels I, like yesterday, doesn't it? Some days. Some days, some days it feels like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I built my shop with the idea that, so when I first started out, I didn't want any employees. I was going to do aerospace work. I was going to sit in an office chair and make 150 grand a year. And that was it. And then <laughs> that never amounted to anything because I realized that I, I, that doesn't really sound like fun to me. Sure. And then we just kind of grew from there and, Really, what's stunting our growth now is the size of our building. Um, so there's four of us in the shop, and we're in 2,500 square feet. And okay. we are on top of each other. All and bad. it just doesn't work well. And we're trying to find buildings around here. Um, and the problem is, is that to but like I don't want any, any more projects. I don't want a project building. I don't want something oh. that we buy for like 600000 and then we have to, you know, put, do a bunch of stuff to it. You know what I mean? So a turnkey, a turnkey building for what we're looking is like 1.2 to 1.5. And at, with like four producers, five producers, uh, I don't really feel, we, could we do it? Yeah, but I don't really want to. So we're yep. going to refine our processes like this year is the the year of like refinement we are refining our processes we're going to hire an estimator we're going to hire a road guy uh well estimator and cad guy and a road guy and then once we have all that kind of already set up in place you know kind of get the ball rolling on it then it's just plug and play like hiring like the, the plug and play guys of, of just like a decent fabricator versus like a super experienced or a really good foreman we could just plug those guys in and build it up from there. What, like what, that, when we when we have the bigger space. Yeah, that, that's certainly it. I've I've heard a lot of owners of other fab shops saying, you know, I want to find a rock star, and I'm like, well, you don't need a rock star. No, you know, build build the relationship, build build your guys up, build your team, then they'll have your DNA in them. Yep. You know, and save yourself a bunch of money. Yeah, like I would rather. So I would rather hire a guy who's got the passion and the drive and is at like a 50 to like 60% skill set and oh, then bring, bring him because you're never going to get him up to a like, I mean, a, like 100% is going to take a decade. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to find somebody who's 100%. But if you take a guy who's at 50 and you raise him up to like 60, 70, 80 over like two years. 80% is pretty decent, especially if, you know, and that could be fabrication skills. That could be leadership skills. So right now our foreman now, Dylan, he is a, he's a fantastic, like, dude, the, the guy's a better welder than me. He is. 
but he's never managed anybody. He's been like the lead of things, but he's never managed people. So the whole management part is new to him. So if he's at a 50% on the management skills, I'd rather take the next two years and build him up to like an 80%. And then that, that last 20% is going to, that's going to take a while. Like that takes a while with, with, with anything, but, um, yeah, I think it's it's a matter of getting the right key people in who have the, the vision and the dream of what, of where we're going versus like somebody who's just really freaking great and their crap don't stink and, you know, they don't get along with anybody. Well, that doesn't really work out. You know what I mean? Or if you're just there to get a job, to collect a paycheck and it's, you know, you you're just there to collect a paycheck. I and and you're a good welder or a good fabricator. I'm not really that interested because, like, I want you to be part of where we're going because we are growing, and I want you to be bought into the vision of what we're trying to build here. So that's a buy-in. That's a key word right there. Buy-in. Yeah, it is, and it's uh, it, it's tough. And I would rather, su- I would rather suffer now with not finding that person and taking your time to find the right people, than getting mediocre people on, and having the bus go off into a ditch. You know what I mean? Because Absolutely. they're not, they're like they're not in. Like, they don't have the buy-in to to build JMW to what it can be. You know what I mean? So that's a a, a fun. Th- you know, almost a whole topic or podcast on its own is building that employee team and building the culture, building, yep. you know, the trust amongst your team. You don't buy trust, you build it. Yep. And it takes a long time. And, uh, you know, things that I never thought I would do when I was a tough guy that, you know, owning a welding shop and could just bark and say, weld this better, be a man, you know, don't call him sick. <laughs> you got to put that away. You, you know, you got to, have compassion. You got to treat your guys like you want to be treated. You got to, you know, respect that they have families that sometimes their families have needs that, you know, all of that. But in return, I have found that they're more willing to go the extra mile and buy in when I do that. It's a long play. Always. It's never checkers. It's always chess. Yep. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you do to attract talent and keep your team happy? So I've, that's a great question. I wish I had a better answer to, uh, I haven't had to hire anybody in, I haven't hired in over three years. In fact, today is my youngest guy's three-year anniversary with the company. Um, so we have not hired in a, in a while, um, short of the admin staff that I had. And ironically, she came to me from a previous client. Uh, so I guess that, you know, maybe speaks to those relationships. Like I said, of, I had a good enough thing with that client that during this, uh, you know, she worked for him. Uh, so it was a little unusual, but she came over, said, you know, he said it would be a good fit. Um, we've met before. What do you think? So I haven't had to attract or appeal to new help yet in a while. What I'd like to think that we have is, a fair culture where guys have stuck around for a while, they can see that they see us on site and we have stuff that, you know, again, we all build things with our hands. We stand back and say, I built that. It's cool. Um, you know, so we have some of that. There's guys that are, you know, in my 
immediate area here, there's a, a shop that makes plow frames, for instance. That's not exactly cool or glamorous. There's guys that make insane money there. It's not cool. Um, there's guys that weld sheet metal housings at machine shops. You know, yeah, there's pride in it. Yeah, it's, you know, you can be good at it. You don't stand back and say, I built that. You don't drive around town and show your kids that, look at what dad built. Um, so we have a little bit of that. It's fun to stick your chest out and say, look at the fun stuff I built. Um, short of that, yeah, I think it's just the the appeal to what we have as far as sitting around the lunch table, shooting the shit. Um, you know, we have a, a good relationship here. We, we all get in 15, 20 minutes early, sit around, have coffee, grumble about the bills. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, you know, we just try to treat each other with good respect here. It, it's much less about, like I said, being that tough guy. I grew up and I had tough guys that taught me and they shaped who I am. I always thought that I would want to kind of hand that down. It was a rite of passage that I got to be that guy someday. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy anymore. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I think they get it. It's fun. You know, I, I see, I saw my young guy get scolded by a crusty guy that was on site, one of the Masons. And I'm like, there, at least he's still getting it. He's still seeing it, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. He, he, like, he's got to earn his initiation somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still got to get that, you know, you, you got to earn it, but I, I can't be the one anymore. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Check back next week for our second episode. It's actually our final episode with Nick. I recorded this with him when I was driving back to pick up a truck, and we got cut short, so it's only about an hour-long talk. But trust me, you're not going to want to miss the rest of it. Go on Instagram, check out what he's got going on, Weldworks LLC. Find us at Welding Business Owners Podcast. Find me at JMW Fabrication. And be sure to go on Fabricator Olympics and check out all the pictures from the action that happened there. Until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.